Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time around your word. I pray, Lord, that the anointing of the Spirit of God would be evident in the time of the sharing of the word. I pray for receptive hearts, for soil which is soft, fertile soil, for every seed of the word that will be going out. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good. Are you glad to be in church this morning? Fantastic. All right. Now, as we're sharing the word, uh, don't be quiet on me. If you want to agree with something, say amen. But let's say this after me. This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Welcome to those who are joining us, listening on audio, video, streaming. And also welcome to those listening on television. Great to have you with us. Actually, can we give those folks a hand and just welcome them? Great to have you. The title of the message this morning is Doers of the Word. Please say that with passion with me. Here we go. Doers of the Word. How many of you can say that there is a desire in your heart that you want to be a doer of the Word? Raise a hand if that's you. Wonderful. Good to see so many hands. And so, as we are looking at this title, Doers of the Word, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1. I'll get there in a few moments' time. But let's first begin by a little bit of an understanding of the context of the epistle of James. If you understand the context a little bit better than when you're actually reading the verses, it makes more sense. And so here, James, who is the author of this epistle... James is also the brother of Jesus. There were a few James uh, characters in the Bible. In this case, it is James, the brother of Jesus. And he is writing to Jewish believers. He had a great passion for the Jewish believers. And there's many Jewish believers that became scattered abroad. They weren't in Jerusalem any longer. They had gone to other nations and other places. They were scattered abroad. And he was specifically writing to the Jewish believers abroad. And as we look at what we can see through the Word of God about James, the brother of Jesus, we see that he was a good man. James was a good man. And he was a significant leader in the church in Jerusalem. He was known as a pillar. James was also known as a peacemaker. And so James led that church community for about 20 years. You could say he was the pastor there for about 20 years. And sadly, in the end, he was murdered. Now, in terms of the epistle of James, uh, it is full of a lot of wisdom. It would seem as though uh, the theologians would say that James had been very influenced through the Sermon on the Mount. And also, you see some of the Proverbs coming through here in this epistle. And so, there's a lot of wisdom in the epistle of James. And it is specifically meant to encourage any community of believers, although it was written specifically to those early uh, Jewish believers. It's here today to encourage us, any community of believers that call on the name of Jesus. But now listen to this. Specifically, James wants to challenge how we live. That is a major focus. He wants to challenge how we live. 
And so if you came for just a, a feel-good, comfy kind of sermon, you might be in the wrong auditorium this morning. Because in this passage of Scripture, there are some aspects that do challenge us. So James wants to challenge how we live, and he wants to urge us to practical righteousness. If God has really changed your life, there should be a practical outflow in which you are different. Do you say amen to that? Let's look at our text. It's James chapter 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's always best to follow in your Bible, but else it's on the screen for your convenience. James 1 verse 19 to 27. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. I love that phrase, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Just to pause for a moment, receive with meekness. Let me tell you, when you come before the word of God, you need to have an attitude of humility. You need to have an attitude of God, I'm open to you. Speak to me, speak to you, me through your word. So receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but, here it comes, be doers of the word. Please say that with me. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For... He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. On to verse 25 on the next screen. It says, but he who looks into, I love this phrase, the perfect law of liberty. Isn't that beautiful? And continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. There it comes out again. A doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep one unspotted from the world. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. There are three things that I'd like to share with you today, three points based on this passage of Scripture. The first two I'll spend a fair amount of time on, and the last one is a very brief point. Number one, get rid of all filthiness and make room for the Word of God. Please say that out aloud with me. Get rid of all filthiness and make room for the Word of God. And the scripture says, James 1.27, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I want to tell you there is power in this book, the word of God. Power to save. That same verse, verse 21 in the New Living Translation says, So, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. 
Now, concerning this aspect of getting rid of filthiness, I want to ask you this. Is God's word clear on this matter? Yes, it is. And is God uh, really wanting us to get rid of everything that is filthy? The answer is absolutely yes. That is the case, according to the word of God. And let me say this, as long as you and I are on planet Earth, we are continually going to have to say no to what is filthy. And we continually will have to say yes to what is righteous. And one day when we're in the presence of Jesus, in the twinkling of an eye, we become like him in that moment. The striving and all of that striving will cease because we shall be made like him. Our faith shall be made sight. But until that day, as you continue this journey in life, keep on saying no to filthiness. And keep on saying yes to what is good and right. Can you say amen? amen. Now, perhaps you, you might be here this morning and you say, John, I've been serving God for like 14 years already and, and, I, and I still find I've got to say no to this filthiness. It, it will continue that you have to say no. It will continue. But I want to encourage you, keep on saying no to what is filthy because it is the right thing to do. Because it pleases your heavenly Father when you do that. And I want to tell you that God will also reward you every time you say no to what is unclean. God is pleased with you. And there will come a day that you will be rewarded for those choices that you have made as you've rejected what is unclean and you've chosen to please the Lord. You will be rewarded one day. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It is worth it. And so according to Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, verse 21 in our text, and I know I am emphasizing this quite a bit, says, lay aside all filthiness. Please say that with me. Lay aside all filthiness. I want to ask you, are you doing that, child of God? If you are, good. If you're not, this is a word that really needs to speak into your heart today. Now, in terms of laying aside all filthiness, this includes every type of uncleanness, whether spiritual filthiness or mental filthiness or even physical filthiness. We also see that in Colossians, the Apostle Paul makes a reference to some of the things that we should cast off. It's on your screen, Colossians 3, verse 8 to 10. And it says there, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, and it mentions a few things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Maybe there's some people that you really challenged when that was mentioned right now. You know you need to put it off. It's not becoming to the upright. It goes on to say in verse 9, do not lie. One of the things that we have to put off as children of God is lying. Some people say, well, I just tell little white lies. They are lies, okay? Don't be fooled. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. As I was just thinking generally in life, some of the other things which are common filthy things that want to grip our lives, I thought of these things. 
negativity, lust, pornography, drunkenness, greed, and dishonesty. And you know, these filthy things are actually like a soiled t-shirt. Imagine you've got a beautiful, white, clean, brand new t-shirt, and then it gets a bad soiling mark, not one that you can just power out with vanish, okay? Like it's, it's wrecked your t-shirt. And we have to realize that in a situation like that, we actually have to get rid of those things. Those badly stained t-shirts simply have to be thrown away. They can't be salvaged. They are spoiled merchandise. Now, in terms of our country, and um, I was thinking of the one thing that I just mentioned, I referred to greed. Let me say this. Hasn't South Africa been severely damaged through this filthy thing called greed? Am I right? There is way too much wickedness in the area of greed in our country. And I was thinking of it specifically this week because there's a recent banking scandal that has come to the fall and they're referring to it as the great bank heist. And the terrible thing is that many of our political leaders have been involved in this. And suddenly it's coming out that a whole lot of them are involved in this. And I want to pray that the light of God brings all those things into the light, that everything would be clearly seen, and it would be dealt with in a righteous and an honorable way. Because I tell you, there are consequences when you start to mess with filth. But I thought, what a terrible thing that so many of these political leaders have enriched themselves. But we, as the children of God, we are different. We are different. And in your working environment, I want to say to you, you be different. And you say no to that filthiness. And even when that little bribe wants to come your way, you say, I will not be compromised. It's not worth that 25000 or whatever it might be. When the guy comes to your window because you've been speeding and you say, can we sort this out with a bribe? You've heard that advert. Let me tell you. Don't even think of suggesting the blood. You're a righteous man of God. You're a righteous woman of God because of the blood of Jesus. So live according to what God has declared you to be righteous. Come on, you're too quiet in this church. Amen. Now, interesting is that God um, spoke through Jethro. And God through Jethro gave some wonderful advice to Moses. Now, Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. Do you know that you can actually receive some good advice from your father-in-law? I didn't say your mother-in-law. I'm just kidding. You can receive great advice through your mother-in-law as well. In this case, here it is. It's Jethro. And he instructs Moses. He says, Moses, you're going to kill yourself if you carry on like this. Appoint leaders and rulers over the people. But specifically, he said, appoint men who, listen to this quote, hate dishonest gain. I love that. What happened to leaders who hate dishonest gain? And I want to pray and agree with me that in the nation of South Africa, that God would raise up new leaders that would hate dishonest gain and would love righteousness. We need more of those leaders. And may God raise up righteous leaders in South Africa who would hate dishonest gain. Why? Because it's filthy. And God says it's filthy. And I want to say to you, if you want God's truth to transform your life, 
then you need to reject everything that is unclean and filthy and make room for the Word of God. Make room for the Word of God. And I want to say to you, child of God, those filthy things that we talked about just now, I want to say that you are better than that filth. You are better than that filth. I want to say to you that you do not belong in a pigsty, but you are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. That's what the Word of God says. Tell the person next to you, you're a righteous child of God. Tell them that. You're a righteous child of God. Number two, above all, be a doer of the Word. Say that with passion, please. Above all, be a doer of the Word. For those listening on television, throughout this year as a church, we've been reading through the New Testament, all 260 chapters, and today is the last day, and we're excited about drawing that to a close. And it has been a tremendous blessing, and here we have been engaging with the Word of God more than ever before. But my challenge is this, now that we have read through the New Testament, I challenge you people of God, be a doer of the Word. Be a doer of the things that you've read. Don't let them just be lovely words and, and uh, lovely statements and well-written, you know, literature and so on. I want to encourage you, be a doer. Purpose in your heart that the things that you have read, you will apply to your life and you will be a doer of the word. James 1.22 says, but be, what's that word? Doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. The same verse in the New Living Translation says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. <laughs> Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing uh, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. So simply saying this is saying, don't let God's word go in one ear and out the other, but act on what you hear. And I want to tell you, the children of God that act on what they hear go into an all different experience in their walk with the Lord. I want to be a person of action. God's word says it, I want to act on it in Jesus' name. Let me ask you this question. If you own a copy of the Bible and it stands on your bookshelf, unused, is that of any benefit? No, it's not of any benefit. Let me ask you another question. If you read the Bible as mere human literature, is that of any benefit? Probably not. And I want to say this, listen carefully. It's it's not okay to just admire the Word of God. But we have to let the Word of God change and transform us, and we have to obey the Word of God. Are you hearing the heart of Father God through the Word today? I want to say we have to obey. We have to obey, folks. And it's wonderful to live a life of obedience to the Word of God. And so there must be a deep desire in our hearts to hear God speaking to us through his word, and there must also be a determination to do whatever he says. If it's in the word of God, I want to do it. And we must see the Bible translated into action in our lives. 
And I heard somebody say something which is very good, that the word must become flesh in your life. And people must be able to see that you are transformed by the word of God. Let me tell you, this is not just a mere book. This is the living word of God, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is a means of transforming your life. The word of God is powerful. And it will transform your life. So many self-help books out there in the marketplace and good for them and so on. But I want to tell you there is a book which is above every book. It is a book which is the final authority for life and godliness. And I've seen down through the years in our family how my family, my parents and grandparents have honored God and they've been turned around by the word of God. Do you know that my grandfather, his uh, father was just completely an alcoholic. His life was in a mess. And then my grandfather, Reuben Rabin, he began to get a hold of the Word of God, and it changed the entire course of our family. It changed the whole heritage, and you might be here today, and you are the first one that is getting exposed in your family line to the Word of God. I want to tell you, read it not only for yourself, but for your children and your grandchildren. It can bring transformation to a whole family line. Do you believe in the power of the Word of God? If you do, say amen. Thank you, Lord, that your word transforms us. But the word must become flesh in our lives. The scripture was said of Jesus that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, beheld the glory as, of the, as of the only begotten of the Father. And I want to tell you, people at your work, they are looking for a transformed life. They are looking for a person who is not a hypocrite, but actually obeys the word of God. They are looking for Jesus in the flesh through your life. And you can do it by the Word of God combined with the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this statement. It's on your screen. One theologian wrote, To profess great love for God's Word, or even to pose as a Bible student, is a form of self-deception unless our increasing knowledge of the Word is producing increasing likeness to the Lord Jesus. Amen. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? My hand is up. Now, in our text today, can you give me a tiny bit more level on my mic? In our text today, we see that reading the Bible is compared to observing your natural face in a mirror. Isn't that interesting? There's a simile, there's a comparison here. Now, I want to ask you a question, and we're going to just loosen up here for a moment. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, now tell the truth and shame the devil, you, uh, you enjoy looking at yourself in the mirror? Raise your hand if you enjoy looking at yourself in the mirror. Okay. Such an honest bunch of people here. All the saints in one accord. Uh, maybe let me ask a different question. How many of you, you do enjoy looking at yourself in the mirror, but you're not prepared to admit it? Raise a hand if that's you. <laughs> One hand, thank you. I'll see that hand. How many of you are not going to put up your hands no matter what I say? Okay, thank you. Tremendous submission we're experiencing in this house today. Now, let me tell you a little secret. I hope my brothers aren't going to be upset with me. But when we were teenagers living in, in, in my parents' home, the one day I saw the door was slightly open and one of my brothers, who will remain unnamed to protect his identity, 
was looking into the mirror very close, very intently, and he was practicing his smile. <laughs> and there would be moments of silence, and then you would hear something like this. <laughs> and then he would think, well, maybe I showed too much gums. <laughs> now, don't come to me after the service and ask which brother was that. But I will tell you this, it's one who has the letter E in his name. Both of my brothers have got the letter E in their name. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, how many ladies, uh, you this is okay to admit, all right. How many ladies you carry a mirror in your handbag? Raise a hand if that's you. Okay, I thought there would have been more ladies. Now, how many men carry a mirror in your bag of sorts? We'd like you to come to the front for prayer right now. Okay. Because there's something a bit awry here. Something a bit strange. It's in your car. <laughs> Woo! Thank you for the participation. Now, let me say this. Do you realize that your mirror, I'm talking your physical mirror in your house, do you realize that your mirror speaks to you in a sense? You say, John, I always thought you were a bit of a mystic, but now I know it. I'm not talking in a funny sense. But as you look into your mirror, it speaks to you. It might tell you to wash. It might tell you to shave. It might tell you to comb. It might tell you to brush. For some of the teenagers, it might tell you to pop. I don't know. For some of the ladies, it might say pluck. But your mirror actually, for those of you that have drawn your eyebrows too, too high today, don't look surprised. Okay, don't look surprised. But it tells you something, and then you are meant to actually brush your hair. Or you're meant to put on more, I don't know, lipstick or lip ice or something like that. And so actually, you should do what you are told, otherwise there is no practical benefit for your mirror. Now the point is this, as you look into the perfect law of liberty, it should translate into action. And you should become a doer, else we're deceiving ourselves. You look into the perfect law of liberty, and you suddenly read this thing about the Spirit of Christ and how he made himself of no reputation and he humbled himself. And suddenly the mirror says to you, you're a little bit arrogant. There's a bit of pride. Obey what the mirror of God's word is saying and say, God, I'm sorry. I humble my heart. And I want to tell you, God is looking for people who will obey. That'll have such a sensitive heart that you just love to respond and God's mirror of his word shows you something and you respond and your heart is tender, else we are deceiving ourselves. Allow me to mention a few uh, brief examples of putting God's word into practice, all right? In other words, being a doer. You read something and you put it into practice. Let me give you an example. When that person has really hurt you and you're reading on in the passage speaking about forgiveness and you choose, even though they've hurt you severely, you choose to forgive them. As Jesus did on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do and you choose to forgive them. I wanna tell you right there, you are being a doer of the words. 
When you read in the scripture and it says, honor your father and mother that it may go well in you for this pleases the Lord. As you read that, even if you've got a parent who's not the most wonderful parent, you choose to honor them as a person. And you know what? Right there, you are being a doer of the word. When you read the word and it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then you determine in your heart, I'm going to do it. I'm going to place God first. Let me tell you, I want to challenge you just with one little thing here for a moment. I was chatting to a guy recently, and uh, I said, do you think that you seek God first? Do you think you seek the kingdom of God first? Oh, yes. No, absolutely. And me and God, we've got a great relationship, and it's wonderful, good prayer times, and so on. And I said, but how come you haven't been in church for nine months? I said, you cannot tell me that you are seeking the kingdom of God first when there is no priority together with the people of God. But as you hear that, it should challenge your heart and you should say, okay, I will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. I'm going to be engaging with the body of Christ. Then you're a doer. Then you're a doer. And also in direct context of our text today, when you bridle your tongue you are a doer of the word. When you keep yourself unspotted from the world, you are a doer of the word. And also, when you care for others and have compassion for others, including orphans and widows, I want to tell you, you are a doer of the word. And you know what the scripture says? If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus speaking. I want to say to you today, if you love Jesus... Be a doer of the word. Can you say amen? amen? Now, point number three, which is a brief one. Just to recap, number one, get rid of all filthiness and make room for the word of God. Number two, above all, be a doer of the word. And number three, the one who chooses to be a doer will be rewarded with a blessed life. Please say that with me, with passion. The one who chooses to be a doer will be rewarded with a blessed life. Do you believe that? Well, it's biblical. It's scriptural. James 1.25, it's on your screen, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Isn't that lovely? I would submit to you that that is a promise from the Word of God. And as you purpose in your heart, God, I'm going to obey you. You can claim that promise and say, thank you, God. Blessing is my portion. I will be blessed. My household will be blessed. Can I ask you by a show of hands, how many of you greatly desire the blessing of God on your life? Raise your hand if that's you. Well, then all you need to do is be a doer of the word and the blessing of God will be upon your life. I want to ask maybe just to do something a little differently. Ludwig, I'm looking at you over there. Do you want to be a doer of the word? Well, then let me tell you, that one is going to be blessed. Mark him, he's going to be blessed. Mukhasi, do you want to be a doer of the word? Okay, that one is going to be blessed according to the word. Donnie, do you want to be a doer of the word? Okay, well, that one will be blessed. And I'm just taking the word of God, simply in childlike faith, and just believing what it says. And let me tell you, I could point to so many prime examples in this room 
of people who exemplify being a doer of the word of God and all their lives are blessed. And I want to say to you, from the Lord, well done to all of you who are already passionately doing the word of God. And for others of you, this is an encouragement for you now. I'm drawing to a close with one last scripture. In Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, we also see this wonderful promise of blessing. This is one of my favorite portions of Scripture, but then again, I've got so many favorite portions of Scripture. You often hear me say, now this is one of my favorites. Well, this is one. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, blessed, would you please say the word blessed, blessed. is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, Blessed is the man who puts aside filthiness. But look at what he does do. His delight is in the Bible, in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now look at the promise of blessing. He shall be like a tree. Tremendous. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, say that word with me, shall prosper. And so I want to tell you that does the Lord want to bless you? He certainly does. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosper. And the one who chooses to be a doer will be rewarded with a blessed life. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. Say hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are encouraged today. And Lord, I thank you that we don't seek to be doers in our own strength. You've given us your word, but you've also given us your precious Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside to help us and undergird us. But Lord, in our hearts today, we are making a quality decision. And we are saying, Lord, here we are, saying that we will be doers of the word. By your grace, obviously. By your strength. By your righteous right hand upholding us. But we purpose in our hearts that we're going to be doers of the word. And I thank you that you will bless us abundantly. To you be the glory, the honor, the thanks, the power, the dominion, and the praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. You are free to go.